Episode eight. Episode eight, man. What's up, dude? How you been? Gotta fix my mic, man. You good? I'm good, man. Nice. This thing is a little high. It's like, oh, I think uh, first thing we should uh, mention, since we are the promoted DJ and talk about hip hop and everything, is obviously the passing of DMX. Yeah, we have to start the week with uh, some unfortunate news. Yeah. Obviously, it's not news everybody knows, but yeah. you know, it sucks. It's a horrible thing, and, and he was such a great. Um, person for the culture he was amazing he, he mm. you know he's like one of those own you know he created his own lane he didn't follow anybody yeah. he was like odb kind of like just created his own sound and like it was so uh, raw do you have a favorite dmx record do i have it's just ugh, it's gotta be the first album um what about favorite song then Favorite song? Yeah. Probably Get At Me, dog, because I used to be like. <laughs> so good. I used to have my Timberlands on, and like, you know, I'd, I'd fire that up, then play Mob Deep, and then MOP, and I'd probably want to punch you in the face. <laughs> I love <laughs> sli- <laughs> Slippin's mine. Slipping, yeah. falling, I can't get up. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing, yeah. but uh, uh, it's sad. Absolutely, yeah, gone too soon. Is, is yeah, definitely, are, and yeah. I'm sure he was like trying to get on the right path. You know, substance abuse is addiction is is a disease, and it it needs to be. It's it's a difficult thing mm-hmm. for some people, and and, and 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 it sucks. I've had a lot of friends that uh have had to deal with substance abuse, and it's a, it's a sad thing because you know they're great people. It's just you know again, it's a disease they can't control it. Right. It takes a lot of work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, now let's get on to other things with Rest in Peace, DMX. Rest in Peace, yes. man, for sure. So we have a question of the week. This week we have the question, and it's coming from our Instagram. Like I said, you could always reach out to us. At, I am the promoter. He's the DJ at Instagram. We always put up a, uh, you know, a question of the week. You guys fill it out, and we just take it from there. So this week, actually, the question's for you, Jeff. Okay. As a promoter yeah. and a booker, how do you deal with knowing who to book for certain events versus a DJ in your DMs or texting you nonstop for gigs? <laughs> That's pretty amazing because you know that yeah. shit happens. My DMs are popping, and they're just popping with DJs. I bet it's yeah. starting to pop now because yeah, we're is. getting to that point we, of like you yeah, know things, reopening. So things are going back because I know I'm doing that shit. <laughs> First, it's a great question. Um, I can bring it down like this. Um, knowing who to book for certain events is is probably the easier part. Um, many times people have asked uh, for wedding suggestions. People have asked for club suggestions. People have asked for, you know, gala suggestions. And all those DJs are, are different. So you're not going to have a hype DJ 
um, to a fancy <laughs> gala or something like that. No, but you know, like, like for me, song selection would be like, I know what 100%. songs to play here. You know, you have a handful of DJs. You go, all right, this guy's good at this. Yep. This guy's good at that. See, I never wanted to be pigeonholed in one of those fingers. I want well, to be the guy well, that can go great. this, that, the other, and the third. Well, especially if you're doing a wedding, you get to remember that it can't be a new DJ, and it can't be somebody that just plays, you know, music of you know the past twenty years. Um, people at weddings, you know, all different ranges. So you have to have somebody that's super, super diverse. Most of the time, probably not a club DJ. And it's a lot um, of work too, yeah, because they're they going to have playlists, specific yep. songs. That Absolutely. Go, so that, that's and they a, have to be able to host it. A hundred percent. Yeah. The MC it as well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You have to be great on the mic. Now for gala things, that's a great one too, because there has to be great mic presence. You either can, you know, do some auctions or, or, or introduce people, things like that have to have that presence. Club DJs is a whole nother realm. And I mean, you can go from an EDM club, a hip hop club, a top 40 club, a club that has, has to read the crowd, whatever it is. So it is, very hard to um, pick the right DJ for the right event. Um, Not so only that, great, great. but you're putting your name on the line. My recommendation, yeah, for yeah, somebody yeah, else yeah, absolutely. Too. So yeah. it's a lot. I like doing galas. Well, well, that's the other thing too. And you're right on that. Sorry to interrupt, but no, it's it, not interrupting but, at all. But, but it's it's right. It's yeah. Also, we know a lot of DJs. A lot of DJs are late. A lot of DJs don't get back to people. So, you know, being on time, being reliable, things like that, factor in huge to these different things. I think that's what I based my career on was, yo, if you need me there at 10 o'clock, I'm there at 940. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that really. But I'm not. (laughs) I take that shit really seriously because that... Yo, when you have that reputation of being on time and being responsible, and the last thing Jeff wants to worry about why you're they're taking care of getting people into a club is having an event somewhere else and worrying about that DJ right, getting right. there. Absolutely, yeah. the anxiety that comes oh, with that's 100%. not worth anything. Absolutely. So having somebody reliable, and that's what I based my career on is net, is is friendships, relationships with with promoters and, and and booking agents and all mm-hmm. that stuff and and being you know on time and, and being reliable that is key bro 100 percent. and the second part of that a dj and your dms are texting you non-stop for gigs here's what i usually that's a great part of the question because a lot of these people that are listening that are they want to know what is the best way to approach i, I think these yeah, people that abso- being annoying abso- too. i think i think reaching out once um, and I think I always respond, no matter if I can get you an opening gig, if I can try to well, you know, nice fit you in, you. or if I can't fit you in, I'm going to tell you that straight up. But DMing te- every week is not going to work, especially when I answer all the time. Are you going to like have like sort of like animosity? You're like, oh, this fucking guy again, right? It comes so to that it, point, right? Yeah, it, it comes, comes to that point much. because it's a fine yeah. line you have to walk. Right, right. To- so then when I give somebody the opportunity, then. Then, uh, you know, the opening gig or, or whatever it may be, you know, a small, you know, lounge gig, whatever it is, if they can produce, be on time, be reliable, do all those things, then they move, kind of move up in my ladder. Of course. Know? So I think, I think DMing people and shooting, 
shooting a text does not hurt at all. Shooting five, six texts is a little OD. Yeah, and then it's just like I don't want to deal with you. Well, I think as as far as a promoter goes, what the greatest thing would be is even if you don't have some, you write back like. I'll try to fit you in, hit me back in a month or so. Exactly, yeah. Just that, just saying that will take these people away from hitting you up every five And minutes. also it's a test. Where are they going to put in their calendar one month from now yeah, to yeah, hit up yeah. Jeff? That's responsibility, reliability. That's one test. Yeah, and then yeah, if yeah. they, you oh, know what? That. That's pretty this good. Guy, Jeff is on fire. He got that <laughs> one down. All right. We also got a part two of this question. Okay. And this is for both of us. All right. Since... Miami's opening up. Yeah. We see that places are mo- opening Vegas, up. June, yeah, June first, I believe. Vegas. What is part of the country up. has the best nightlife scene? Oh, that's a tough question because it's like comparing like oranges to apples. Um, New York City to me is probably the greatest, but there's a reason why. What's the reason why? Because in New York, first of all. You don't. You could go out in a night in New York and not know where that night will take you. All right. Now, other cities, it's different. Choose your own destination. Yeah. yeah. Like other cities, Choose it's different. Adventure. You have one place to go, and that's it for the right. night almost. New York, you could bounce around and find yourself in Brooklyn at six o'clock in the morning at a crazy warehouse party. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really happen in a lot of the other right. cities around the country. Mm-hmm. Boston, for instance, two o'clock shit is a wrap. Yeah. It's hard for me. Because right. at 2 o'clock, I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. When I DJ in New York, I don't go in till 1 o'clock. Right. one thirty. Right. So it's just like so crazy to me. New York is is exciting because you don't know where the night could take you. Miami, if you want to like really be in the house scene and like they do it up in Miami. Yeah. Vegas is a little too... Com- See, the reason I didn't say Vegas is yeah. because Vegas is super... You're getting people from Kansas. You're getting people from right. Arkansas. And everybody from the bachelor party. Yeah, and it's so just, it's very commercial. Yeah. I'm not a very commercial guy. I want to be at space at 6 o'clock in the morning watching the sun come up, listening right. to some dirty-ass tech house song that just bass is thumping that you could not do in Vegas. Miami was going to be mine. Miami? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, Miami nightlife is something else, yeah. man. I tell you what, like I've had some the greatest nights of my life in Miami. Yeah. And shout out to those guys down there opening live up. It's, yeah, yeah, just just past weekend yeah. they opened up live. Congratulations, guys! Yeah. All right, time to get a table. Let's go. <laughs> get a table. I'm yeah. double vaccinated. Can, 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 can I get a bogo down there, please? Yeah, let's yeah. go, bro. Yeah. It's gonna be probably a year for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, bro. yeah, no comps. Awesome, yeah. dude. That's a great question, guys. Please continue to send in the questions. We love answering them. It's a great part of the show and gets us a way to interact with you guys. Also, man. So what do we got next, Jeff? A little story time action? Yeah, we got story time. All, All right. right, let's go, dude. Let's do it. Gather around, kids. It's story time with Uncle Jeff. The names have been left out to protect the guilty. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. <laughs> All right. All right, Jeff, it's story time. Let's go, Uncle Jeff. I'm ready. I the, see. I see what the I see the title. So this one should be interesting. The time the Celtics had no money. Well, I'm sure that's not the first time this has <laughs> happened. But two of the Celts come in one night, regular night. They, uh, you know, they frequent the club. Not a big deal. These guys, these two guys, you know, they in their 
Boston tenure, they were out pretty often. Uh, so they come in, two of them, to get a table and join the night. One of them texts me in the middle of the night to come over to the table. Pulls me aside and he's like, I forgot my credit card. Like, I have, I have no money. Can I pay you tomorrow? And um, this guy comes in all the time. I, know, I, I can Google his contract. I know he's got money. So he doesn't want anybody at the table to know. And he just it's like, can you ask a manager or, or owner if I can just pay tomorrow? Okay. Owner says, fine, I can collect tomorrow. Not a big deal. Night goes on. Another player shows up. This guy's a wild guy. All iced out, watch, change, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, iced out. Bracelet, all diamonds, everything. So I tell him his teammates are at the table. I walk him over to the table, get to the end of the night. The teammate that, that came in last says he wants to chip in. He bought a few bottles. He put bottles on the tab. He said he wants to chip in. The player for, who forgot the wall, it's like, uh, don't worry don't about it. I'm, it. I'm paying. <laughs> I'm paying Jeff tomorrow. Yeah. No, he just told me he's gonna pay you tomorrow. Or he was just trying to wrap. Oh, don't worry, I got it. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. He said, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Eating that whole yeah, table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Split it. Right, right. Have his yeah, yeah. Okay. So the player the chips in is like, no, 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 no. Put it all on my card. Actually, no, because he he told him he's like, I don't have my wallet. I'm paying Jeff tomorrow. Oh, okay. So the teammate says that wanted to chip in says, no, no, no. Put it all on my card. So I'm like, all right, fine. I don't have to collect tomorrow. This is yeah, be cool. awesome. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we get the, the card gets declined. <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck. So uh, it happens once in a while, you know. These, and you're sorting yeah. this out like at the end of the night. Yeah. Oh, so I'm like, shit. so I'm like, a whisper. Like they're all just chilling. There's like some girls over there they're hanging out. So I whisper and like the guys. I'm like, yo, the card declined. How embarrassing, though. Seriously. And I tell guy. him quietly. He's not a quiet guy. He erupts. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, it is a hundred thousand, hundred thousand dollar limit on it. Like, you know, what are you talking about? This can't work. And then he looks at his watch, and he goes, "Oh, that's sixty. I just. <laughs> and then he looks at his Smurf chain, and he goes, "He had this iced out Smurf chain. He goes, "That's forty. Yeah. He goes, oh, and then he goes, sixty plus forty. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> now the other players are listening." And when he points to his watch and yeah. his chain and he goes 60 and 40 and oh shit, they started laughing and physically crying because it was the funniest thing like we've ever heard. It. We just laughed and laughed for 10 minutes. I can only imagine. Oh, it's like it, yeah. Having all that money and you're like, oh, I don't have any money. He was like 60, 40. Oh shit! Oh man, that's fine. They ended up doing paying the next day, <laughs> which <laughs> is good. It? But that was the night the Celtics had that's no great, money. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. Gather around, kids. It's story time with Uncle Jeff. The names have been left out to protect the guilty. Now, here's a little story. All right, coming up now. Wait, wait, I got something to say. Bro. What do you say? I've done that shit before. We got declined? No, where I'd leave it on the tour bus. So one of uh, my band members was always like, yo, you were the smartest guy on <laughs> yeah, this tour. Yeah. Because you always leave your car and you're like, yo, I left my card on the bus, bro. So he'd be like, yo, you are definitely the smartest dude here. Nice. And but a lot of times, like, I've been with artists that that's happened to, yeah. too, because they have. A certain spending limit 
Well, this is before the call their account. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To, get, to open up to get the money in yeah. the middle of the night. Some dude. of them are on certain budgets. Yeah, yeah they're budget. Well, now there's Venmo, there's, there's yeah, Cash yeah, App. Yeah, so it's shit. like different now. But yeah, yeah. this is, this is uh, pre that. I'm dating myself. But yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Go we ahead, go to, man. We're yeah. going into an interview. Yeah, we got an interview coming up, man. Let's right go. now. All right. Today on uh, I'm the promoter, he's the DJ. We welcome world famous photog Steve Eichner. In the 80s and 90s, he was the exclusive photographer for nightclubs such as Limelight, Palladium, Wetlands Reserve, Tunnel, gaining access to covered photo opportunities. He has photographed everything from the Met Gala to shooting over 40 New York Fashion Weeks. Steve has now just put out a brand new book titled In the Limelight, A Visual Ecstasy of New York Nightlife in the 90s, which I have read let us welcome Steve. Steve, welcome to the show, man. We, we There's got, the book right there. We have it in place, man. Yeah, most people look at the pictures; they don't read it. So <laughs> that's really great. I, I, I read the I read the forward by uh, by Mr. Gation there, which is amazing. Um, yep. So and mentioned my uh, we got to mention my partner Gabriel Sanchez, who brought the project to fruition. Uh, yes, written and edited Gabriel. by Gabriel. Absolutely. Well, thank God. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a beautiful book. You gotta make sure everybody gets out and gets it for sure. Absolutely. So let's talk about the book and, and how it came to be and, and why almost like 30 years later you thought it was like the right time to release these photos. Yeah. Um, so how it came to be was uh, at the time Gabriel was working for BuzzFeed as a photo essay editor and he emailed me, saw some of my pictures online. He was doing a, a story about the craziest night, nightlife of the 1990s. And he interviewed me. And during the interview, I mentioned to him that I'd like to do a book with these photos. And we, he published the article and it went viral. And he circled back and he said, you know, I'd love to work on this project with you. And, you know, he's a lot younger but uh, he didn't really live through that area, era, but he admired it and he was inspired by it. So, um, you know, we put together a pitch. We got an agent. We went through the whole process of pitching publishers. And finally, we got one. And uh, then it was really the fun part because I have these photos that have been sitting in uh, filing cabinets for 30 years. So there are slides and negatives from... Back at the beginning of my career, when I started shooting in these nightclubs, and for me, being a twenty-something that had just moved to New York City from from Long Island, yeah, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store. Oh, yeah. It was like <laughs> Halloween on acid every, <laughs> every night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every night, and you know, so um, so that's how the book started, and we, you know, we finally got a publisher. And then it was very interesting timing because it was released during COVID. Mm -hmm. So nobody had a chance to party and go to clubs. And so we really got to reminisce. And then the people that picked it up and the publicity and all of the news outlets were like, wow, this is just such great timing, reminiscing about a time that, you know, it, it, it wasn't the same before COVID. Mm -hmm. So no. when you look back to 90s nightlife in New yeah. York, it this is like a time capsule of, yeah. you know, an era when the mega club was everywhere in New York mm -hmm. and 
you know, you really had to go out and be there. It was before social media. Right. And so you had to show up and, and, and be you know, actually you couldn't fake it. There were no filters. You had to be there. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a beautiful time and it was a, a special time in New York. And, and, uh, I lived in New York for about 20 years and, and the New York that I moved to is definitely not the New York that I left. Unfortunately, you know, it changed so much. The mega club was no longer, I think mm-hmm. the last mega club we had was Pasha. After mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. was it. There's marquee left, but and another thing is, I have a question about the celebrities in your book. Um, a lot of that changed now from back then. Is celebrities don't go out as often as they used to back in in that era that you you photographed because they can't escape. Everybody's got a phone. There's no privacy back then. They could sneak in the back door, of the limelight, or Nell's, or any other place, and and they can't do that anymore because everybody's got their phones out. So. I, I I looked at the book and there's a, a fair share of celebrities in your book, and you could have probably made you know the book alone just on celebrity pictures. Why did you feel the need to like you know add more pictures of like the true club goers and and, and not celebrities and just regular people? Well, the short, straightforward answer is that these are the photos I shot for myself. So actually, my job was to photograph the celebrities at the club for the club. And the next day, they would be shopped around to uh, the New York Post and the New York Times and the Daily News and People magazine and us. And that was the going viral at that time. That was sort of your, you know, that was how you publicized the club. It would be Julia Roberts dancing at Club USA. And so... The celebrities were my job, but the photos in the book, 80 or 90 percent of them are what I took for myself because I felt like I really wanted to document the era. There was a little voice inside my head that said this could be a book one day (laughs) and this could be, you know, this needs to be documented. And back then, you're right, there weren't cell phones everywhere. I was one of the only people in the club with a camera Mm -hmm. and film was finite. You couldn't see it. It wasn't digital. It took a real skill and there was chemistry and knowledge and and then knowing your subjects. So so I decided, and, and it was partially Gabriel, it was really his idea as a photo editor to uh, have it as you're walking through a night in mm-hmm. the nightlife of New York. So you might turn a corner and see Madonna, or you might see a drag queen, or you might see people making oh, yeah. out or doing drugs or whatever. So right. that's kind of the idea of the book. Yeah, you're definitely trying to keep it true to that era and to that night at the club, for sure. It's beautiful. Great job, man. Yeah. Thank you. So, Thank you. So, so somebody that first hired you... Uh, Peter Gation, why why do you think his clubs were so successful? Oh, Peter was a genius. I mean, he had a lot of experience with Limelight in, in Atlanta, and he brought it to New York. But I think the key to his genius was collaboration. Like, people call him the king of clubs, which, yes, but he was really the king of co- collaboration because he brought in the best DJs and the best lighting and the club kids that, you know, made these fabulous parties. And he had art exhibits and constant uh, installations. And so he really knew how to make a party happen. You know, it was like, you know, it was like uh, to mingle energies like a positive and negative end of a magnet, like lots of magnets and lots of forces. So you'd have Wall Street guys in suit and ties yeah. looking at, you know, 
cross dressers and and so and they're all you know but all of that energy together made for these fabulous parties and then he made them in giant spaces so you know you could travel through the limelight and be on the main dance floor and there'd be you know a rock concert going on and you would go up into the vip and it was a goth themed and it was you know hr uh, geiger had you know kind of uh, the artist hr geiger from alien had decorated it wow. or you could hear madonna and and you know so all these different rooms and all these different energies you know you really could experience so many new things and I didn't even know what to expect. When I walked into the tunnel one night, he had put the bathroom in the entrance. So you walk in the club and there's journals and toilets. That, that's so, crazy. Yeah, it was just keeping it fresh and, and always pushing. And, and you know, yeah. so, uh, so yeah, that's that's what I think Peter did. You know? oh, wow. That's where, that's that's my, we have a lot of meetings. I've been in this business for a long time. And I think that's what the industry really misses nowadays is, it just becomes one experience. I want to go to a venue and have multi-experiences. Mm -hmm. You could go to the limelight. You're in the main room. You, like you said, go to the back room. You could hear a hip-hop DJ. You get sick of that guy. Go back to the main room. And it kept you stimulated constantly. You never knew. And you would go back every week because it wasn't the same old thing. Right. It wasn't A, B, C, D, E. You didn't know what you were getting. And, and uh, that's the unfortunate thing about our business right now. It's, it's not like that. And I push that on people I work with to create those kind of moments. Mm -hmm. We need moments. Mm -hmm. It's not about mm -hmm. just bottle service and a DJ and a, and a couple of lights. It's about making a night special like Studio 54 and Peter did. So I actually had the opportunity to DJ at the limelight before, you know, it turned into Avalon and all that stuff. And um, I just wanted to know what role do you think the music had in, in the fashion and what, what role did that play in the whole photography of the whole nightlife, like what role did the DJ play? Well, the DJs were testing out music. So they would come with a record and spin it. And if the crowd responded, that record would continue to get played. Go to the next and level. Uh -huh. So you'd have someone like Madonna, I mentioned before, would come and hand a record to the DJ and watch what the crowd did. And so the DJs had a lot of influence on mm -hmm. yeah. where music went and the culture. And then Peter's genius, he, he had tunnel on Sundays was hip hop night. Right. Yep. And no place else in Manhattan had hip hop because of the, you know, the policing of it and yeah, yeah. the right. you know the stereotypes the that came with it. Stereotype yeah. of what would happen at a hip hop show. But Peter took that chance um and with dj flex right flash master funk master flex, flex. Yeah. They, yep, yep. and they you know they figured out a way with metal detectors and talking with the police and had a hip-hop night so um djs were incredibly creative and influential and and important to the 90s nightlife culture they broke records yeah i remember before, you know when i first started out in new york i would have uh Record later, record label A and R has come to the club and actually still hand me CDs and, and vinyl and have to play them throughout wow. the night. Yeah, man, that's amazing. Yeah, sure. So, so go, so going on the influence of DJs. What do you think the impact of the social media had on the nightclubs, and what's the impact? Because you, as you said before, you were the only one with a camera in there before. What do you think that now it has a role on photographers? that everybody has a camera. Well, nobody's paying attention. 
Exactly. You had to yeah. be present. And, you know, everyone's looking at their phone and filming it and, and yeah. saving it yeah. for later and sending it. And, you know, in those days when uh, there was a pop-up fashion show in the middle of the dance floor, everyone turned and looked and focused at it. And there were no phones in the air recording it. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I would be photographing it, but people actually experience things. So I think that's a, a huge difference. It is because, you know, you're videotaping this thing and for a later time that you probably not even look at ever again. <laughs> yeah, true. Right. It's like a waste. Like, just enjoy the moment. Like, right, you're, right. You're, you're wasting your time and you're missing that that connection those you know special what I moments mean? like yeah, it's yeah. a connection so that's that's great so what are some of the, uh, the most memorable moments you've had in limelight something crazy we, we it doesn't have like, to be limelight it could be any club, any club yeah, yeah. yeah any club at all like what's the craziest craziest moments you've experienced probably in a night in nightlife oh there's so many i mean uh you know with celebrities i had a, a situation with with leonardo dicaprio once where we were at this movie premiere after party and he was there and I was photographing around. And in those days they had girls that sold candy and cigarettes. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like with uh, the trays. And they dressed yep, up yep. really colorful. And I saw him and he was maybe like 16 or 17 at the <laughs> time. It's <laughs> crazy. And so he was buying something and I just thought, hey, it's a cute shot. So I snapped a couple and you know, and Don, Dennis Hopper was there, and uh, and Henry Fonda were there, and they were oh. in the movie Red Rock West that was premiered. And I get a tap on my shoulder, and it's Leonardo, and he says, "Hey, man, will you do me a favor?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, man, whatever." He's like, "Don't use that photo." So I was like, "All right, I won't." He's like, mm -hmm. "I'll do anything you want. I'll pose for any picture." So going around taking pictures of him, he's posing, and so I said, "Well." Can I ask you why? Yeah, yeah. He said, "Well, I didn't. I was buying cigarettes, and I, I didn't want my mom to see that." I'm buying <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that, pretty good. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, but I mean, amazing. I've seen like you know the club kids doing incredible amounts of drugs in the mm -hmm. bathrooms and until fall down, pass out, oh, drunk. Yeah, yeah, people having full on sex, like multiple orgies in the in the balcony of the Palladium, and wow. you know, there's just uh, endless amounts of stories backstage with. You know, bands like, uh, you know, when Steven Tyler came and, and yeah, Smith, uh, yeah. to, uh, to Club USA and I was partying with him backstage and he took me on as personal photographer. And so, you wow. know, having the camera, I realized early on, made me a VIP. It did. It so, brought attention to you, for sure. People yeah, felt I mean, comfortable. They wanted to be on camera. Yeah. Because there were so many Instagram moments, but there was no Instagram. So exactly. I was the window on the world. Right. So I was, and so everybody wanted to be photographed back then. I'd like to see the pictures that you didn't put in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so so going so going on that. So when you started, you know, uh, giving the pictures to Page Six and and getting recognized by the papers and the posts and the time, Times, was it harder to get celebrities to pose then, or was it easier because now they want they saw that they could be in the spotlight in the newspaper in the morning? They weren't as guarded back then. Mm -hmm. You know, they were there to party. They were there to have a good time. There wasn't this whole image consciousness thing, and there wasn't a cancel culture if you were out partying. It was almost like a badge of honor to be out at the clubs partying. So 
Um, so I would be, I worked with the publicists for the clubs. I worked with Peter's publicist, Michelle Feeney or Bruce Lynn. And my job, I had a beeper back then. And if I was out at another club or even sleeping in my bed, my beeper would get off, yep. go oh, off, yep. get off, go off. <laughs> and, <laughs> Same thing. Uh, and I'd hop up and grab a camera, get in a taxi and run down to the club, whichever one they told me to go to. And wow. I would... You know, for instance, uh, one night, Julia Roberts at three o'clock in the morning was dancing at Club USA. So I get there and the publicist introduces me. And, and at first it was like, yeah, take a couple of shots. And she was OK with it. And then they wanted some more shots for the club. And the bouncer was like, you got enough. And my boss was saying you need some more. So I snapped a few more and the bouncer like escorted me off the dance floor. Uh. And my boss was like, get some more. So I went up on the balcony yeah. with my Zoom lens <laughs> and pulled me up there. And the bouncer started running up there. Mm. And I took one more shot and I could see her. She was shaking her finger like, if you take one more. Oh, shit. And I ran out the side door and got that's, the film developed and brought it to the newspapers. That's so exciting, man. That's that, that that's that real New York City shit right yeah. there. Because that is the only place that could really happen like that. Like that excitement. And that's what drew me to New to move to New York. I grew up in upstate and I just I knew I I needed to be in that 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 atmosphere and, and and it's done the same thing for me just not on the same level as you obviously you've been there you know I see Leonardo all the time and he comes to the lounge that I DJ at in New York and stuff but mm -hmm. to, that that arrow is just so great and I'm so happy to see this book and see that you capture uh, absolutely that for sure. yeah I mean just going through all the pictures in the book is, is just amazing yeah it's a fascinating a, a time yeah. capsule of yeah of it's greatness, a beautiful yeah. era and I'm so happy that you captured it and and, and you put it out. So on this, uh, we do a thing every week with all our guests. It's, it's called a game we play with them. It's called This or That. So you have to pick between the one of the twos. So Jeff could start it off. All right. This or That. Let's go. Your favorite two photograph, club kids or musicians? Uh, tough one. I mean, I started as a music photographer. So that's how my, I got into the clubs because Limelight would have Pearl Jam play or, mm -hmm. you know, oh, my favorite. So, but the club kids were so colorful and exciting. And yeah, that yeah. was kind of how I got this book made was, you know, the, you know, I showed up with my camera and documented the club kids. So that's a tough one. I'm torn, but I'm going to go with my first love, which was musicians. Love it. All right. Yeah, man. So, all right. So let's say, which one is it? This or that? The tunnel or the limelight? Oh, the limelight. I mean, it's a church. You're partying oh, in a church. It's sacrilegious. <laughs> it's stained it. glass and spires and pews and <sighs> altars and many rooms and goth. And, you yeah, know, yeah. It, that's an easy one. <laughs> I remember the first time I went there and it was just like one of the most amazing. I didn't even know who was DJing. I didn't care. That room had energy on its own. And I felt like when I walked through the security to the dance floor that I was actually going to another planet. Wow. And it really felt that way. I think Junior Vasquez was DJing because I remember mm -hmm. all the lights went out and all of a sudden you see a, 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 a huge fog like a spotlight, spotlight yeah. go across the crowd. And that was the only light in the whole church. The church was blackout except for this one flashlight. That's it was amazing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Canon or Nikon? 
Nikon all the way from the beginning. They always stayed true to their lenses. You can still use the oldest Nikon lenses on the newest Nikon cameras. Wow. All right. Best room, the champagne room at the limelight or the ballroom at tunnel? Uh, champagne. Yeah. <laughs> champagne all the way. You cannot beat, you know, all the bottomless cup of, of, of free champagne. Yeah, man. <laughs> Skateboarding or surfing? Oh, another. You guys are killing me. Well, I went surfing <laughs> this morning. You went surfing this morning? Living in Long Beach. I nice, surfed. Dude. Yeah. But skateboarding, again, was my first love. And But I'm going to go with surfing now because it's a lot easier to fall in water than it, it is. is. I tried snowboarding. But I still do yeah. both. Awesome. Awesome. Falling as an adult is not sticks. as easy as falling as a child, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right, last one, man. Better fashion, 90s clubs or the Met Gala? Well, 90s clubs were more like almost like circus clowns of the, yeah, the yeah. club kids. Real fashion, I would go with Met Gala. True, nice. true, true. All right. Awesome, man. Well, we really want to thank you, Steve. Thanks uh, for taking your time out yeah. and speaking with us. Make sure you get the book. Oh, there it is. There it is, in the limelight. Amazing book. Uh, Let's make sure we put a, uh, yeah. put a link to everything in our YouTube and all our social well, media. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep. Uh, so written yep. and edited by uh, Gabriel Sanchez as well. So. Yep. Let me uh, plug it in dash the dash limelight.com if you want to get a signed copy and some shirts and other memorabilia. And uh, it's been a real pleasure being here. You guys are awesome. And, uh, yeah, keep on partying. We'll yeah, do. Brother, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. really appreciate it. We appreciate thank you. you, brother. Want to thank again, Steve, for that amazing interview. Yeah, again, Steve, it's, thank you for taking your time out, man. Again, sure. it's in dash the dash limelight.com. Grab his book. Great book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Should we do some positive news? Sure, why not? Like, I'm sure you understand we do things a little different around here. And since you get filled with bullshit news that just is so sad all day long, we bring you Positive News Network. Jeff, what's the positive news this week, my friend? Well, we got two. We got we just said it earlier. Miami opening up. That's great positive news. Get those people back working. Um, that's a beautiful thing. We yeah. need, we need that. It gives us a little light at the end of the tunnel. There is of, some light at the end of the tunnel. We haven't seen any light. But uh, some other PNN, uh, the Louvre in Paris, their entire art collection is now available free online as a virtual tour. Now I did this the other day. Yeah, I went how on was it. it? I've been. I've seen it. I've seen other museums kind of do it, but I, so it's it's like it's, huge. Like it's never been something like this. How Google Maps does Street View. Oh, that's sick. we can go left, right, up, down, and go through the whole museum. There's no, but there's no people in there though. Right? It's amazing. So it's so amazing. I've I've actually been there before, but to take the tour is amazing. Fancy a, guy. <laughs> and the reason I think is it's it's such great news is that. And we talk about this all the time, how important art is to it is. learn, to understand, to, you know. And, and the greatest part about art is you and I could go to look at a piece and I would see it a totally different way than you would see right, it. And right. that's the beautiful thing. It's what 
we want it to be for ourselves. So it could be anything. You know what I mean? The, the artist has a specific idea of what he's trying to do. We could think that it's... A or B, but it's actually G. You know what I mean? Because right. the art—it's just—it's a—it's a great way to express yourself. And I—I—I I, I hate hearing stories about them trying to get rid of art and schools and stuff. I think it's a very, very important thing that we need art and music in classes and schools. I always try to donate money to wherever I can or my time to that stuff because it's so important. No, I agree. I mean, and, and just to see it in context, to see it in there. I mean, people have seen the the Mona Lisa a billion, oh, a billion time, times, yeah, yeah. but people don't know it's it's only two and a half feet by a, no, but a foot it, and a half. It's all small. right. So let me ask you this: yeah. since you've seen it in person, yes, does when you look at it in this in this you know virtual setting, mm-hmm. do you feel like it it looks the same? Because yeah. I think the Mona Lisa is like. 24 by 12 yeah no it's two and a half feet by one and a half feet that's so sick. when you see it in this tour you understand the, the size, size of it, of it. and sick. i think that to put that into context too is to actually see it in the gallery and in things like that is is pretty amazing and i think that um you know a lot of people can't get over to Oh, I said it was to the loop. I said it was the same inches as it is feet but i thought well, <laughs> it was way bigger than that i yeah. thought it was you know, we'll say four feet by three feet. Yeah. Not 24, because it is yeah, actually yeah. 24 inches. Well, yeah. You're close it's not to 24 it. feet, but yeah. No, yeah, definitely not. Th- you know, Dirty <laughs> Deck made a 36-foot art piece the other day that he put on Instagram. Shout out my guy, Dirty Deck. <laughs> it tech. was so fire, bro. Yeah. 36 feet long. It's like, anybody want to buy this piece? <laughs> I have a few Dirty Deck pieces. Pretty I dope. know. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait to get mine. Dirty Deck, where's my piece, bro? <laughs> All right. So once again... Positive news. Check out the Louvre. It's it's pretty dope. If you I get some that's time, yeah. yeah, dude, you get some time. Just yeah, it's always good to check out some art. Clear your head. Check out some art. Yeah, man, I love that. Hey, look, I got all the buttons to work this time. Wow. <laughs> can you remember your IG, Jason? What's your IG? My IG. You can catch me on Instagram at Jason Smith Music. Catch my man Jeff London at. Jeff London underscore and catch us at I'm the promoter. He's the DJ at Instagram. Yeah, man. TikTok, everything. Oh yeah, we got a TikTok. You can do a little dance too. You can <laughs> we dance. also it's we also get something do. new this week. We get some merch. We in. do. We we can release it. We actually have a merch available. Where yeah, can big, we get that, Jeff? Bignightshop.com under Big Night Media. You can see I'm the promoter. He's the DJ. We get some hoodies up there. We get some hats. T-shirts coming right now. Just stickers. Some faces on these <laughs> shirts. You definitely want one. Once again, thank you as always. Yeah, we appreciate. Appreciate. Y'all, yeah, listen to us bullshit. Yes, great. Peace. Peace. Okay, I'm reloaded. Jeff London.